Hi everyone, this is Akhil Arora. And this is Rohan Nahar. And welcome to The Long Take. What's up? First episode? Yeah, first episode. How are uh, you feeling? Yeah, I'm um, all geared up. Just watched four episodes of uh, Indian matchmaking. Oh my god, that must have been hell. <laughs> yeah, but the... But the sh- <laughs> I've seen worse. You have seen worse? Yeah. Like from the tweets I've been reading, I don't think there's anything worse out there right now. The thing is, the show is actually pretty entertaining. It's the people on the show uh, who are like absolutely insufferable. I don't think I've like uh, disliked a bunch of people more uh, quickly than I did this time. It was basically a 30 second thing. So 30 <laughs> seconds into the first episode, I was like, what are these people? <clears throat> but the show knows that they're idiots, so which is fun. So you're always on the show's side. Right. I guess that's like a redeeming thing. Yeah, if that's, thing. that's how I've um, geared up for our first episode is by watching <laughs> four episodes of Indian matchmaking. Great. So already, already on a, off on a tangent, so I guess we should introduce what this episode is about. I mean, even though people will see the headline. Yeah. What well, this podcast is about generally. That too, right. So what is this podcast about, Ron? Podcast about uh, movies. Um, but like, what kind of movies? Where, where, which movies? Well, movies in general, movies on streaming, um, and um, our take on those movies and the streaming industry in general, to an Indian context. Right. And why should people care about our take? Uh, because we are gainfully employed movie critics with mainstream publications for now for now <laughs> so I work at um, Gallus 360 that's okay yep and I'm at Hindustan Times uh, how long have you been doing this half a decade I think about so how about you yeah same around four-ish years alright so today's episode is going to be about the Netflix movie The Old God as mm-hmm. you probably have known before you hit play uh, but we let you know anyway. Uh, the Old God is a superhero movie uh, from a comic book series. Uh, Greg Rucka and Leandro Fernandez, if I'm not wrong. No, I think uh, that's right. Yeah, Greg Rucka is uh, the guy who did uh, Gotham Central, which is uh, one of my favorite uh, runs. I was uh, I don't know if you read it. It's really cool. So basically, the TV show Gotham is like a watered down version of Gotham Central, the comic book. Uh, I think um, HBO Max and Matt Reeves are developing a Gotham City PD uh, show, which might be that's interesting. the one that's the spinoff from the yeah. movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which right. might be more in line with what Greg Raka wrote. Yeah, I mean the fact that they're on a streaming service allows them to. Yeah. Make it more than, you know, the Gotham one that was on cable. Yeah. So the old guard, what do you think? Um, I have a lot of questions um, about the movie, but so I'll let you start because I think you enjoyed a lot more. I did. I enjoyed the movie um, for many reasons, actually. I mean, I remember watching it and thinking that it was uh, not the most intelligent movie. Uh, in terms of, you know, certain plot contrivances, things are way too convenient. But then as you go along, you kind of understand what the movie is aiming for, the sort of movie that it is, which is 
a glorified TV pilot. It actually looks like an expensive episode of TV. It doesn't look like a tentpole movie that you would watch in the theater. It looks like a streaming action movie. Although you could make an argument for like most superhero movies these days, even on the big screen, that they are all TV episodes. The TV episode, but they at least look like movies, you know, like you're watching like a Spider-Man, right. whatever, Far From Home, which I don't remember at all. I know it looked like a movie. The World Guard does not look like a movie. It looks like a, it looks like they compromise on the budget, you know, and I mean, I know Gina Prince, by the director's done a pretty phenomenal job. Like I wasn't expecting much out of the movie, but then I was pleasantly surprised. She's done a really good job, but then she isn't the best at maximizing the budget that she was given. Um, I don't know if you watched this Amazon movie recently, The Vast of Night. You heard I about did. this one? Yeah. You did. So that movie was made for nothing, but it looked expensive. Like it looked more expensive than... I'm sure what they spent on it, right? Like there's yeah. this really cool shot in the middle of the movie, I think centerpiece shot where they uh, basically just uh, dolly through the town, yeah. like a long single take. It was super impressive, right? It immediately ups the production value of your tiny micro-budget movie. Yeah. Whereas The Old Guard is like a $70 million action film with big stars um, and it still doesn't look like it could survive in a movie theater environment. Like I, I, I don't think it would have done more than Atomic Blonde even. But on streaming, it's a win. Yeah, it's possibly the biggest win for like superhero genre itself for this year, possibly considering... I mean, the... I'm still not comfortable calling it a superhero movie, even though everyone seems to think it is. I mean, it's a comic book movie for sure. It follows comic book storytelling conventions in that it's very much a first chapter of a larger story sequels are going to arrive what's your uh, reservations for calling it a not calling it a superhero movie i mean they're just immortal beings basically they're not like for me superheroes are you need to wear costumes <laughs> right <laughs> and these people are just like they're immortal like i wouldn't call chronicle a superhero movie but then you know Wolverine doesn't wear a costume. That does, but does that mean Wolverine is not a superhero? But he's he did wear a costume. He he wore a costume in multiple X Men movies. Just yeah, on, and then they stopped doing his, that with him, right? Yeah, but then I mean, he's a, he's an established member of the X Men. Let's put it that way. Right. Whereas these guys are just uh, that individuals with their own personal stories who've been uh, kind of drafted into this army of sorts. Yeah, uh, and I, I mean, yeah, you know, in a way, it's fair. What your point is in that they don't really have superpowers, right? Like when the two of them are captured in the middle of the movie, they have yeah. no way to actually escape because yeah. their only superpower is not die. That's it. And um, yeah, so I mean, it's a comic book movie for sure. Although I am in two minds about calling it a superhero movie, but yeah, certainly for a comic book movie, big win, and obviously a great franchise starter for you know, a streaming service because they they really need to start their own franchises now, like any any studio um, on a successful streak. Yeah, and like this has been planned like that, right? Like I read an interview with Rucker um, where he says that he's thought of like a tri- this as a tri- trilogy, uh, which is obvious from how the movie ends as well. Yeah, the second, second I think, um, a series of um, the comic book... Um, is out 
the the five uh, issues the next uh, chapter in the story is out and he's planning a third one as well so i think it's all part of the plan uh, and a lot of these you know it, this is an image if i'm not wrong it's an image comic series and a lot of them <coughs> do feel like um, pitches for films and tv shows like they get like a six issue run um, and then they use that print run to kind of go and uh, use it as a bible for a studio pitch and uh, this is one of the better ones that kind of got through there are obviously a lot of other image comic series which is a creator owned uh, publication uh, which helps because then the creators have full control over their stories and the pub- the publisher doesn't really uh they don't really have much say in terms of where the plot is going or like a dc or a marvel which owns everything that is written or drawn for them yeah and which could like keeps getting reset whenever they feel like it yeah and those guys don't get paid also right so the dc marvel writers are basically writers for hire who come into yeah. their runs and they're sent away without getting much royalty this is like a creator owned title which basically greg raka and leandro fernandez are the owners of which i'm guessing played a plot in the fact that he was you know he became the screen screenwriter as well for the movie like you don't see that happening very often yeah and he was gracious enough to kind of make changes to the original text he he made a bunch of changes i mean he kept like the essence of the story intact and a lot of it looks very 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 similar to the comic book but then he did realize that the main character of the film nile uh was quite secondary in the comic book and uh, that character has been beefed up uh, considerably for the movie which i think helps i have a feeling like even the director might have had a play a part in that as well yeah definitely i mean to uh, pull up a, a secondary character who is off color and make her into uh, essentially the protagonist of the story is probably a joint uh, decision which I, i fully am on board with yeah and it's also conveniently uh, audience target as well which like makes helps. the helps yeah helps the viewers ease into because the there is a lot just, of like, like thrown into these deep end with them yeah there's a lot of lore in this story right because you know that yeah. you know like a like a john wick you know there's so much happening uh, beneath the surface that you're not really being told but then you don't really need to know uh, you just need, it needs to be implied and i think yeah. it's not as good at handling world building as a maybe john wick uh, series but it's uh, it does a better job than most uh, comic book movies i would say because there are comic movies are really like uh, clumsy with exposition yeah i was actually glad that they sort of made it almost like a running joke that uh, theron's character andy just kept avoiding the fact that how old she was hmm. like she would not answer the question no matter how many times you asked it yeah because she's probably been asked it like a million times right yeah, you you could see true. the weariness on her face you could see that she's done this a million times like obviously if you've done it a million times i don't know if you remember the movie hancock do you remember the movie hancock i remember the movie hancock yeah it's i really enjoy the movie hancock even though it didn't really get good reviews it made a bunch of money uh, and the old god trailer actually came out like someone uh-huh. pointed to me they're like wait theron's playing the same person she she's playing the same movie. person yeah <laughs> she's playing the same person and the cool thing about it is that hancock is one of the few superhero movies uh that kind of deals with the themes of you know 
what do you like what drives these people to do what they do and do they get bored of it now yeah. spider-man 2 obviously dealt with that very very effectively when yeah. peter parker threw away the costume and then he was kind of called back into action right which you need for a is, super movie yeah but hancock is more like grounded i would say it's more no one wears a costume for instance in that movie yeah. um and uh same thing with this you know like you could see that she's done this for so many years and then she's struggling with finding a purpose to keep doing it like why do i keep putting myself in this situation do i have no other options like if i'm going to live forever like do i just dedicate my life to yeah. doing good? and you can feel that like in every interaction she has like the minute yeah. even when the movie opens and she meets the first guy booker and you can like they haven't met for like a while right we're told yeah and that's obvious every time like when the mission fails the first mission to rescue those girls which is sister rose that they don't even exist um she's just like yeah i'm going away that's it like i'm i'm not doing this anymore yeah and i think that's what makes uh, charlize theron such a good action actor you know because she, for instance she's not like a dwayne johnson you know yeah who who's basically playing the same character over and over again which is an extension of his own personality himself yeah exactly he's ways. playing himself because he knows that's what it's basically salman khan phenomenon right yeah he knows Except what people want problematic parts <laughs> yeah i mean exactly but she's such a good action actor like she's she's she knows how to bring the humanity into these um, unbelievable characters basically yeah all of the fact that i mean we've t- talked about this before the podcast right like the fact that she's um her character is technically or like not technically it's said to be from sithia right which is like and i read about the civilization um and it's sort of like south siberia central asia like around like persia basically like what would what would be eventually persia um, yeah she's middle and, eastern basically yeah and i'm sort of problem- problematic for me in the sense that i mean you they could have gone with another actor in that role although i understand the financials and then you know that the movie might not have been an easy sell in that sense do you know what uh, ridley scott said about this when he was asked this question for uh, or like his gods uh, in the no, gods okay. uh, gods exodus what was it called i have no idea i don't ever want to like like remember that there was a movie like that <laughs> so ridley scott is this uh, biblical big budget biblical movie called Exodus right completely banned and completely banned lost uh, lost a lot of money and yeah. ironically lost a lot of money because the reason he hired Christian Bale and uh, Joel Edgerton in the lead roles mm. of middle eastern <laughs> characters was basically and he put this very bluntly he said if i hire a mohammed so and so no one's going to pay me 200 million dollars to make this movie <laughs> which is basically i think the same logic that uh, everyone involved in the old guard used but then as i was saying earlier you know it's fine like i didn't think of it i didn't think of it at all to be honest you know like i saw a movie where there were two female protagonists there was a same sex couple whose yeah. relationship was proudly on display not yeah. implied like star wars not teased uh nothing you know it was yeah, no, no queer baiting here yeah yeah it was proud it was there for everyone to see and i thought the cast was international marwan kanjari luka marinelli yeah. all these guys you know mathias who's such a great actor 
I wonder how they got him to do this. Uh, and I think it's a pretty diverse cast in yeah. terms of... Yeah, once you look beyond, like, Theron, like, yeah. most people are playing uh, characters from their, you know, sort of... Origin I think it's themselves. fine. I mean, we, we keep complaining about how there aren't enough female-led action movies and now we have one. So, I mean, we should just accept this for a while and then kind of move on to, oh, we need, like, racially appropriate casting for this female driven action movie that we've fought so long for so I think it's fine as long as they made a good movie it's fine I mean I don't really care if they made a bad movie then I would find more flaws with it right what do you think about the villain I had a blast with the villain man but that's mostly because of the actor I think Harry Melling is I mean a lot of people might not know this but Harry Melling is the guy who played Dudley Dose I know Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I yeah and he's like this. real <laughs> he's really grown up and uh, I mean he did this movie with the Coen brothers I think a couple of years ago The Ballad of Buster Scruggs also on Netflix so he it was like an anthology film of I think six shots yeah. uh, and he was he played like a limbless actor in that movie uh, yeah. and he was phenomenal in that movie and I remember thinking oh my god this is Dudley Dursley <laughs> and it was and apparently he made, an, uh, he made an impression right because did they give him a fat suit or something like for the Harry Potter movies no, I think he was. Maybe he just was fat because I remember by the time the fifth movie came out, he was uh, like a like a street thug, right? He wasn't particularly yeah. fat anymore. Yeah, he was making so early movies leaner as the yeah. movies went on. Yeah, I think the early movies he genuinely <laughs> was fat. Right. Uh, but yeah, this one he's pretty unrecognizable, uh, and I think. Th- my takeaway of the villain in this movie, although he's a very stereotypical villain, the entire movie kind of embraces stereotypes that's already been established you know like this is a movie dealing in stereotypes you know everyone's an archetype of some sort every character is like there to serve a purpose so i think having a technocrat villain is uh timely uh and it's just elevated by the performance of harry milling i think he he went full cartoon and i always appreciate when uh, <laughs> comic book villains go full cartoon. Yeah, like I, like I don't he's, like. He's Padma, not just a technocrat. He's also like a. I mean, the other inspiration is like he's like a pharma bro, right? Like who's that? Martin Scully. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's like, like a combination of Martin Scully well. and like Elon Musk or whatever. Like just yeah. random. Martin Scully plus your... like Mark Zuckerberg plus like every other thing you can think of. Like yeah. Perfect. He wears a hoodie also, right? Yeah, he like wears a grey <laughs> hoodie. His his hair is like Jesse Eisenberg light. Um. Mm. Yeah, so it's all all there. So I think for for like the movie's universe is so like heightened and cliche driven. I think once they establish the sort of movie that it is, then this sort of character fits perfectly into that sandbox, you know. And this is exactly the kind of villain I expect from these movies. And for an actor to kind of dial it up to 11 in the performance department... And like, just stick with it. Like, there's not a single moment where you see the humanity in this dude's eyes. Like, he is a full-blown caricature. And I appreciate that. Right. And what else stands out to the movie? I mean, this is the action movie after all. I'm not going to call it a super movie because you have problems with that. Um, So, I think we should talk about the action. (laughs) The action. Yeah, the action was... So, I spoke to Charlize Theron before the movie's release. And I asked her, listen... For the longest time, you know, like for decades, basically, all all the action directors, white male action directors who were getting these movies used to just 
openly say, listen, dude, women don't want to make these movies, which is why they aren't being offered these movies, which is a misconception. So I asked her about this theory, this false theory, and she said that's utter nonsense because we've seen women who've been given the opportunity, who've been given the budget, you know, deliver. Right. You've seen Patty Jenkins deliver with Wonder Woman, you know. You've seen Karen Kusama to an extent. You've seen Catherine Bigelow to an extent. You've seen yeah. so many, so many movies, and especially after Patty Jenkins, which I think all of them are very, very aware of. The success of Wonder Woman really, really opened the doors. And it could have been earlier, of, right? Could if, Jen- if Marvel had yeah, which is a sad Jenkins part, more control you know? over like Thor two, she might have stayed. She might have stayed, but then I'm kind of glad that she didn't debut in this genre with a Marvel movie. Uh, and did like a DC one instead because you know that uh, any Marvel movie, regardless of how uh, how much freedom the filmmaker says they had on it, is a compromise. They there. tend to be cookie cutter in terms of yeah, anything. because even as refreshingly uh, spontaneous and funny as Thor Ragnarok is, it's still a part of a larger story which is not the director's story to tell it's someone yeah. else's story right so i think which is why I you think, have that weird like tonal shift between the end of thor ragnarok and the beginning of endgame right i mean if you just Sorry, watch thor if you just watch the thor movies the three thor movies like not a single one of them is alike like they're all tonally different yeah. even the performances are different like it's different characters essentially which is i find that very very weird like the first thor is like a shakespearean drama the second thor is like a game of thrones episode <laughs> the third thought is like a buddy comedy like what's happening i i did admire the action in um the old guard i thought it was a mixture of it wasn't the long take uh you know like minutely choreographed um yeah. hand-to-hand combat that you see in the john wick movies or even extraction recently yeah. but then it wasn't like the haphazardly edited like uh generic action that you see in like blockbusters. yeah it wasn't like yeah i i was happy that it wasn't like you know cutting on every beat as mm. hollywood tends to do like every time you have like a thumping meeting of two fists or like one night yeah you cut so, yeah you cut yeah like i hate that um the approach mm. uh, so i was glad like the, my highlight for the action was the fight between Nile and Andy in the plane like that's that's it that like very good yeah everything after that like in terms of action for downhill for me although even if you look at that particular action scene you know it's nicely choreographed and it works as an action scene but then do you think about the amount of information that that scene conveys about yeah. these characters it works on a dramatic level that particular action scene i think, I think that's, that's one of the, the biggest reasons brings. like i think that's what gina prince by the wood brings is that exactly it's not just action for action shake it's action which has a narrative heft to it yeah, you know that it's basically like a lesson for Nile, right? She's learning yeah. things about herself in that action scene. Uh, like Andy is teaching her things in that. They're developing a bond in that action scene, essentially. Yeah. I think that's what makes it good. And that's the basic vibe of the entire movie. You know, it's goofy, but then it has like a soul. I think which is very, very important. I think it's very important to appreciate the intent behind the movie. And I think the intent behind this movie was not to cash in, make money, because it's not a very particularly popular comic book. Yeah. Either. It's just to tell a good story. And then you can sense that coming out. 
I think you've summarized that quite well. So let's just not even try it again. And let's just move on to the new section of the podcast. Yeah, new section of the podcast. Uh, biggest news this week is the what, 17 titles Netflix I mean, yeah, that's announced. a bandied up number in my mind. I mean, in my opinion, because uh, nine of them, if I'm not wrong, we've already known about before the announcement. Um, all we got essentially was like first look. So I want—I mean, seventeen is like a nice way to like sort of you know brush it up. That's more like eight in my head. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice. Uh, I mean, they were last out of the gate after um, Amazon and Hotstar, so I think they—it's—it's uh, it's understandable why they would kind of do a major event around this and not kind of announce these titles individually. Uh, yeah. But then that's not. Who cares? You know, seventeen, fifteen, eight, whatever. It's like, does any title stand out? Is the main question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm very, very interested in AK versus AK, based yeah, solely I, on the premise yeah, see, of see, that's that not part of the new slate. So, like, if you ask me about like the old slate that was announced, like the, the nine sort of we knew, knew about, then AK, I'm really excited just because of the conceit, like the fact that they're going so meta with this. I yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah, it sounds very interesting and um, that is one that I'm seriously looking forward to. Also, I'm looking forward to Sudhir Mishra's Serious Man, which stars Nawaz. Right. Yeah, um, that one looks interesting. I think these two are the top two for me. I'm cautiously of... optimistic about um, Raat Akili hai, uh, just because Abhishek Chaube is like involved behind the scenes. Abhishek some... Chaube is uh, so Abhishek Chaube is an old collaborator of Hanit Rehan. Hanit Rehan, the director yeah. so of that, the, that's film the production studio. Of... Yeah, and for those yeah, who don't know, Chaube is the guy who made Sonchariya and Urta Punjab. Yeah, Ishkia. Uh, Sonchariya is like I think one of the best movies of. Uh, last year like it's phenomenal uh, yeah. and Chaube is one of the few Indian make- filmmakers actually I do have voice. it right now that I think about it I think yeah. it's um, the, the two titles from Alangita Shivastava. Um I think those I'm actually like Dolly Kitty I, yeah Dolly Kitty and there's one what is it called Bombay Begums yeah so, Bombay Begums yeah yeah I mean I'm like, I was really impressed by lipstick under my burqa so I think this actually looking forward to her next work Lipstick, I was kind of underwhelmed by, but then uh, Alankrita was uh, involved with um, Maiden Heaven, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it. So I thought that's you were going somewhere it. with that. I mean, I like Maiden Heaven more than uh, Lipstick under my burqa, uh, but no, then I, I know like that Maiden Heaven is not Maiden Heaven. Uh, what else? AK versus AK, Serious Men. Bombay Begums, you said. Are you looking forward to Gunjan Saxena? No, not at all. I think that it's going to be like the classic Bollywood um, biopic thing where everything is rousing. There's a soundtrack which is like always coming in to make sure that people get the hint that, you know, that action's being performed a heroic. Um, like also like order like, for Because I'm so pessimistic. The reason I'm so pessimistic is because it's Dharma is involved, honestly. Did you watch Guilty? Yeah, I reviewed Guilty, yeah. You like it? I hate it. I mostly liked the direction. I thought it was a mm. little like soapy in some way. But the yeah, ending, yeah. This, the ending they just imploded completely. I'm sorry. The stage declaration. Yeah, it was yeah basically like, they had was no ending. And they so much on the day. happening that the entire movie just collapsed in front, in front of my eyes. But then again, uh, uh, 
not uh, something that you would expect out of dharma right like i had zero expectations of that movie like in fact i was i thought it was going to go in, in a very different direction i thought it was going to um, kind of be uh, did he watch a movie called um, section 365 what is it called oh my god i have read the reviews about that some of them and just like i i can't even hit basically a false accusation against a famous director like how men are yeah. also victims right yeah and like just poorly typed movie right <laughs> why would you make like the, the intentions behind the movie are just very questionable very questionable exactly like as honorable as the intentions behind the old guard were i think stuff like whatever section 365 is just like made out of spite for yeah. like a very important movement yeah yeah so similarly i thought it was i thought guilty was going to go down that route but then i was pleasantly surprised when it kind of uh, switched the narrative around kind of uh, toppled expectations of dharma of yeah i think Indian i didn't have expectations exactly because i spoke to ruchi narayan before the movie and like the, mm. from the interview i could understand completely that uh, that she had her story had come from a good place like her story oh. had come it was not like a like me to happen and then i'm going to write this it was like a story which was in the germination for like several years before me to and she was actually trying to like understand like what where like how would i put this under something and then me to happen and she like oh this is what i was looking for this is the moment i was looking for oh okay i mean i mean that's basically it so i mean i know that if they want to dharma can do good work i mean right, i guess I that's true for anyone the writer and the director for me and like which is a debutant again right yeah like there's no i mean there's no ruchiranand type person here who sort of gives me that confidence mm-hmm. uh i mean uh reserve judgment uh, until we see yeah, uh, sure, even yeah. a trailer uh but then yeah it's one of the biggest i think most i think it's easily the biggest title that they have right uh in a way that says a lot about the slate then i guess although i would say i mean like from a filmophile standpoint ak versus ak would be the biggest although yeah, yeah who's, who's looking from at things from a traditional standpoint yeah gunjan saxena is the biggest or maybe like ludo or like ludo yeah i was thinking actually yeah actually we haven't touched like one of the titles which like might be more popular globally than in india a suitable boy oh yeah uh, quite a bland trailer i felt although people had more problems like with the accent and the exactly like i think this is weird right because they're all indians yeah like why do they have accents <laughs> because it's made for like bbc did they put on accents what so did they put on like a fake indian like what it doesn't make sense to me like are indian actors putting on fake indian accents to appease <laughs> british people so i should mention i've show... seen a bit of it but i can't talk about it because the embargo is not until tomorrow <laughs> the last part of the podcast what have you been watching this week um been catching up on um as i said indian matchmaking <laughs> four episodes Why, do, do you not like your life or something uh i mean that's a for another episode but then right sure <laughs> we'll do therapy sometime else <laughs> indian matchmaking is something that i've been watching uh, i've also been watching uh, the harry potter movies again just for comfort because it's been a very lean week in terms of work like i had uh, uh interviews for a couple of upcoming uh things but then they aren't really releasing anytime soon so uh i've had kind of time to watch what i want to watch robert yeah you? i already mentioned a suitable boy so that i've seen yeah. episodes of um mm. which 
I can't really go into detail until tomorrow. But beyond that, um, what I've been watching. I think I, last week I saw a couple of good movies. I saw Palm Springs and First Cow. Uh, Palm Springs is phenomenal, yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed both of those really much. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's been actually been a lean week in terms of the stuff to actually... And I think next week is lean as well. Uh, 31st is the... 30th, 31st, I think those are the two days where there are a bunch of new movies coming out. Oh, I know actually why I haven't been watching much because I've been busy with a game on PS4 for the past week. That's why. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. How's it? It's actually like, in a way, like if you think about it, in a way it's like watching because it's like a Kurosawa movie you can play. Which might not sound very appealing to a lot of people. Sure, yeah. I, I can, I completely <laughs> understand that. But for someone like who loves Kurosawa, like I was in awe of like, just like the, at least the intent, even if they don't actually deliver fully on that premise, uh, the fact that they are willing to go in that direction and attempt was good enough for me. Did you play it in color or black and white? I did both. Although okay. I have to admit, I ended up doing more in color uh, eventually. I remember uh, toggling between color and black and white for LA Noir. Do you remember LA Noir? Yeah. The Rockstar game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fantastic. That was pretty good, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Bonus video game content. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> or listener. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I was seeing listeners hopeful <laughs> that at least the both of us will listen to it. But sure. Maybe we won't. Yeah. The, the one listener. I'm going to okay. come up with a name for this the one listener. End of our first podcast. Yep. So, thanks for listening. Um, please be sure to rate and review us wherever you find your podcast. Um, anything else you want to say? Uh, come back next week. Yeah, yeah, please do. And if you want to write to us, you can write to us at thelongtakepod at gmail.com. And you can find us at The Long Take Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Pretty much the big ones. Yeah, I think so. I've covered those. Um, and YouTube. And YouTube. And YouTube. Sure. Yep. Uh, and our handles are available across platforms. So if you write to us directly, sure, send in hate mail or whatever if you feel like. Um, and we will never reply to you. Yeah, I've been kind of missing out on the hate mail. I got a lot after Breathe into the shadows and uh, yeah it's been a week of silence so yeah no I, I there's been no silence for me I've been getting three weeks now of hate mail for Bulbul <laughs> it's still happening anyway that's the end of the episode if you've stayed until now thank you again <laughs>